Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have in as our guest, psychologist, Dr. Anessa Manovich. She's a licensed clinical psychologist who attended the University of Pennsylvania as an undergraduate and attained her graduate degrees in clinical psychology from Columbia University. While at Columbia, she worked at the College Counseling Center at NYU. She did her clinical internship at Friends Hospital, a private inpatient psychiatric hospital in Philadelphia, and her postdoctoral training in a private practice in Philadelphia, Alternative Choices, specializing in helping families with autism-related diagnoses. She has also volunteered as clinical faculty at UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine. For the past 10 years, she has worked in her private practice in Santa Monica, helping individuals of all ages through many of life's adjustments, specializing in anxiety, Asperger syndrome, high-functioning autism, postpartum issues, family dynamics, and issues of acculturation. Today, we talk about enmeshment and how to redefine boundaries in an enmeshed family system. Welcome, Dr. Manovich. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this all week because we've been talking about the subject matter of our podcast today, and you brought up how it could be a really interesting talk to talk about enmeshment. Yes. I think something that's being talked about a bit more in the media, not sure if it's being used correctly, but It's very interesting. So probably the best place to start would be for me to ask you, how do you define enmeshment? What is it? So enmeshment came from a family systems model, which is how we work with families from Salvador Mnuchin, which was, I believe, in the 70s, but don't quote me on that. And it really defined a family structure. So on one hand, you have the families where everyone is pretty independent, kind of functioning on their own, but not too involved emotionally or psychologically with each other which could feel a bit neglectful. People are reaching for each other, but they're not really there. And on the other hand, you have the system where everyone is in each other's business. There's kind of a melting of boundaries. Everyone's feelings become everybody else's feelings. And the most important definition, I believe, of enmeshment is that there's a tremendous amount of guilt. It's almost like you enter into a contract that I'm yours and I will do whatever it takes to make you okay, psychologically or whatever. Um, And so that's kind of the way that the system functions and then people don't quite feel free in it. Talking about it, it makes me think that there's kind of different cultures that in general, you can generalize, like certain cultures are on different places on that spectrum. Yeah, sure. There is, you know, the more collectivist cultures, which the principle is that we're collective, that you're not an individual just by yourself, what you do reflects on the whole family to others. And the more individualistic cultures like ours is a bit more, you can go out on your own and you're not necessarily a reflection of your family. So it can get a little tricky given sort of what you grew up in and what the expectation is of your family. And I do think that enmeshment is something that tends to get passed on And it's very interesting. So it's kind of tricky to figure out how much of this is a cultural expectation and how much of this is true enmeshment. And oftentimes you kind of see those dovetailing together. But I do think that even in a a collectivist culture, 
you can thrive and feel free without that familial obligation. It's just a bit more tricky. Maybe this is a very simple question is why is enmeshment bad or when is it actually a problem? That's a good question. So what typically happens is that in a family system, the child becomes almost, and I'm going to use this word for a reason, married to a parent. So usually there's some sort of discord in the original couple and one is feeling lonely for whatever reason, and they glob onto the child because nothing is better than the love of a child and you're perfect in their eyes. And some parents sort of glob onto that and unconsciously or consciously exploit that. And so it becomes to the point where the child doesn't really have the freedom to grow and individuate and find their own way in the world. So if this happens very early on, the child doesn't really get to know who they are because their whole reason for being, and I'm being hyperbolic here, but is to please the parent or make sure that the parent is okay, make sure that their needs are being met and they almost can't recognize their own needs. And Mm -hmm. so they often grow up apologizing for their existence, kind of not knowing that they have choices in, in the world. They're always feeling obligated. So I'm kind of explaining a, like I said, a hyperbolic example, but I'm trying to do that to explain sort of the concept. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, I think it does. And it makes me think about what the difference is between enmeshment and codependence. That one is tricky too, because they're similar, but enmeshment is more you're operating out of guilt. You're always sort of feeling guilty. Like you have this contract. I have to be the good boy or good girl to please the mom or dad, or I have to call every day. Otherwise mom is going to get upset or lash out or something like that. And codependence is a bit more like in order to feel okay, I kind of need to be seen by you. I need to make you okay. I need to be needed. There isn't a guilt component. It's a bit more like you find yourself in service. But it's not through guilt. It's not that you feel like you're going to be bad. It's it's almost like to find your own value. It's, they're close. And sometimes codependence can breed enmeshment, but they're a bit different. Yeah, I, I kind of think about codependence as like this reliance in a way. Yes. Enmeshment is more like of a requirement. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like you enter into a marriage contract and it's like, okay, you're my child, which means that you will forever have to take care of me. And no matter what your needs are, I will come first. And where that becomes a problem is when, I mean, it's a problem as kids go off to college or just try to kind of find their own life or have their own families and feel that I have to call mom. And the partner actually should be treated with more energy than the parent. The rub becomes that the partner of the enmeshed person starts to feel like they're not getting enough, that the enmeshed loved one is married to their parents or family of origin and not giving the the energy, the love, all the attention into the family that they're creating. It impacts the functionality of the enmeshed individual's like future family life. And I think it's just a dysfunctional way of being because the way that I think of a functional family dynamic is when everybody's free to grow and kind of be on their own path and share in that and delight in each other and commiserate in whatever happens. But a dysfunctional system is when things kind of get thwarted and you don't feel quite free and that you're going to get punished or that you're not good enough. You're constantly kind of seeking that approval as opposed to being okay on your own and having these people as support and love with an open hand as opposed to like a closed hand. I got to hold on to you. 
That makes, that makes me think that the degree of enmeshment, like if you think about it on the spectrum, right? So there's like on one end, like extreme enmeshment. On the other hand, what was the opposite of enmeshment? Like neglectful. Neglectful, right. So the functional individual is somewhere in the middle, right? They have a little bit of both and they can freely go between. There's a little bit of like a spectrum of like where they are on that. And I think the comfortable place for an individual really depends on their personality structure. Yes, and family expectation, right? It really depends. I mean, oftentimes you see the the kids that get enmeshed with their families are more sensitive. They're going to be the ones that are kind of the lonely parent kind of globs onto because the kid that's like, Meh, I'm not interested, is not going to be as attractive to the parent to kind of do that with. So it's both. It's a personality and it's an expectation. And sometimes it's birth order, you know, the firstborn or gender. It really just depends. What I see, it's usually the very sensitive, emotionally aware, attuned people that kind of end up being parentified and serving as sort of like whatever isn't available in the couple, mom and dad, they sort of come in and fill that void. And then by the time they're a young adult, they feel so burdened by that, that they don't have space. And what I often see, which is such a shame, is that it breeds so much anxiety it's almost like because you're so attuned to someone else, you don't know how to self-soothe. You're focused soothing someone else and always being on guard. When am I going to be needed? Are they okay? That you constantly have this, like, you're watching out for something bad happening, like a hypervigilance. It's like you don't have your own center. And that's what kind of feels painful. Interesting. Yeah. And I was wondering, my other question was, okay, as you are a psychologist, when people come to you in the when they first initiate care, it's probably unlikely that they come in saying, I grew up in this enmeshed family. I'm dealing with these issues of surrounding enmeshment. I think that probably is an insight that they come to later as they work deeper, right? And so, I mean, I think you've kind of explained it and I know it's hard to generalize because everybody is so different, but typical things that people might come in through your door stating that they want help with. I'm just curious about that. It's typically anxiety, actually. It's anxiety. Sometimes it's mind-body stuff, like chronic pain things, because in the enmeshed system, sometimes the only way that they get seen is when there's something wrong with them so that the parent who's enmeshing can sort of drop that and can attend a bit more to the individual. But a, a lot of anxiety, a lot of inability to be alone, inability to kind of be quiet with self, filling things with tasks, your life with tasks and not knowing how to slow everything down and just feel comfortable in your own body. And so then things like meditation, mindfulness, sitting with the emotion is really important, which is extremely difficult for someone who is constantly trying to soothe someone else and not knowing when that ask is going to come. So they're constantly on this I need to fill my time. And if I fill it with enough things, then I'm not going to feel anxious because I'm distracted. Yeah. And I guess that brings me to the question of like, so what is the treatment course? Like, what is the plan in terms of treating somebody? The goal is to have maybe someone create appropriate boundaries that they feel comfortable with, right? But also this ability to self-soothe is kind of the bottom line in terms of treatment. Yeah. The ability to self-soothe and the ability to identify self, right? And to build the self and ask yourself questions like, what do I want? And be able to quiet the voices in your mind that are telling you, you have to be a good boy or girl to do this. And what's interesting is that 
sitting with emotions, difficult emotions is a really big part of it. I mean, it's a big part of any kind of anxiety treatment, but with this it's guilt, which is a predominant kind of manipulation tactic of the parent to make you feel guilty implicitly or explicitly and to sort of allow the person to feel guilty if they put down a boundary and say, you know what, mom, I'm not going to call you every day. I have a life and, you know, I'll call you when I truly want to. And then they're going to feel very guilty about that because that's not the expectation. The mom is probably going to get mom or dad. I don't mean to signal out moms is going to make you feel bad about that because they're used to that connection. Right. And so to sort of be okay with, I'm going to feel guilty and that's okay that I don't have to do anything about it, that I have the right to take care of me first. And then if I want to, I will take care of you. But the expectation growing up isn't to take care of yourself. That's seen as being selfish, right? As opposed to self-love or self-care or just what someone needs in order to be okay on their own. Does that kind of make sense? And I'm assuming that a lot of people might be afraid that by focusing on themselves, I mean, they still love the parent or their attachment figure and they want to set boundaries, but also like it's painful to see their parent suffering based on the boundaries that they're setting. Exactly. Yes. And that's really hard because then you feel the person who is disengaging or emancipating, as some people say, feels bad because you feel in some way that you're harming the parent because there's such a enmeshment connection, right? That you feel like you have to join them in their misery. If they're miserable, that you have to go there. It's almost like you have to mentally get to a place where it's like, no, I deserve to take care of me. My job as coming into this world isn't to take care of you. That is your job. That is your job as a human being, right? And my job is this, but it's certainly not to take care of you. It's like an internal job, right? You have to come to that before you can really truly heal. You have to fully accept that that's true, that you cannot fix the parent, right? With your love or with your attention, because they're just going to be, the reason why they're doing it is because they're not whole to begin with and it's their work to do, right? And they glob onto the child because it feels good, but it's stopping them from doing the things that they truly need to do. And so it's actually enabling a really, unhealthy attachment on both parts, on the parent that could grow without that salve. And so it's as much as you feel guilty and that the parent is hurting, you are helping them in some way to find other ways to soothe themselves than you. But that can't be the reason why you're doing it. You can't do it for them. You have to do it for you. The other thing I wanted to ask is like, this doesn't have to be a parent-child dynamic either, right? It could be spouses. It could be siblings. Siblings. Yeah. You could get to an enmeshed place with the spouses. What you see is more codependent. Oh, okay. Because there isn't that hierarchy difference, but with siblings, you can sort of, because they sort of mirror that same dynamic. It's usually comes from the parents and then from them, it comes from the, the parents before them. Right. It comes, sometimes I see it, it kind of dovetails with narcissism and with, with dependency, right? So if a parent isn't being narcissistically met or is so needy that their partner kind of checks out, then they go to whoever's available. And oftentimes it's the child. So it's, you know, it can be both men or women. I think it's predominantly women because 
I guess previously men weren't in such a caretaking role. So it wasn't, they're sort of not as present, but I think all of that is changing. And you talked about the intergenerational pattern that happens. So how do you, thinking about ways to then break that pattern? That's tricky. I find that if you're a child and, you know, I come from an enmeshed system of immigrants and to answer a previous question, and I will get to the question that you're asking, the cultural piece, you know, if you're an immigrant or if you're in a country where everybody relies on each other, it's very easy for the physical boundaries to kind of get confused with psychological boundaries. So everybody, because they're sharing resources, they're also sharing psychological resources, right? But then when you are in a situation where that's no longer needed, there has to be some sort of adjustment so that you're not operating out of a place of trauma and, you know, like lack or dearth, you're kind of coming at it from, okay, I want to open up and be free and grow. But to get back to the children piece, I think that it's very easy to pass on enmeshment. If the kind of love where everyone is in each other's business and no one has their own boundaries and space if that's what you know of love, how do you not pass that on to your children if you think that's pure love, right? If boundaries to you feel rejecting because they feel rejecting to your parents, how do you create healthy boundaries for your kids, right? And that becomes really a challenge. And so that is when you kind of have to look at yourself, like what has felt not so good for you, right? And I think you got to kind of tune into yourself and see what feels like it's too much? Are your kids too much all over you? And do you need to kind of say, you know what, this is my body and this is your body and that's okay to not think of that as, you know, in some cultures that would be like, how can you tell a child not to sit on you? But you need your own space, right? And you need to feel comfortable and they need to feel comfortable and to recognize when that happens. And even if it's foreign to you, it may be of value to everybody to sort of recognize your own kind of respect each other for the humans that we are, right? Even if they're tiny little humans, that they deserve their own space, their own psychic space, physical space, whatever, as delicious as they may be, right? Yeah. I mean, I actually think we did a pretty good job of talking about enmeshment in this short period of time. What am I missing in terms of things that, I mean, of course, this is not going to be like a full, huge overview of enmeshment, but I'm hoping that the listener kind of comes out of this with a little bit of a better understanding of it. Yeah. Dr. Ken Adams is like the enmeshment guy. And he, I think it's called overcomingenmeshment.com. And he has like seminars and he seems like really just the guy for the stuff. He, he wrote a bunch of books about, they had very provocative titles, like I'm married to my mom or something. And, and excuse me, I don't, I don't know exactly. I don't have it in front of me, but if you go to that website, you're going to find that. And he really breaks things down. And it's just interesting to kind of think of it when you feel stuck and when you feel anxious in your life to think about why that may be, right? How many obligations are you holding and how many of those obligations you actually entered in willingly and to sort of take back some of that, even if somebody else doesn't like it. And so it's just a way to sort of have more autonomy, I guess, in your life. And then it actually leads to a better relationship with the enmeshed parent in a way, right? Because you are coming at it from, I want to talk to you. I'm not calling you because I'm obligated. I actually just want to hear how you're doing. I want to connect with you Mm -hmm. and it will be better on everybody's part, right? You're not coming. I'm exhausted. Oh, and now I have to call my brother and he's going to dump on me and I just don't want to take it. And then I'm resentful and leaking all over my children and 
psychologically making than my husband or whatever, right? And it's more like, oh, I have the space and the energy to connect with you and that would be lovely. So let's do it, right? And the recipient will feel that difference too. Right. But still hard work. It's really the hardest work because there is something about the enmeshed child that holds on the position of the special one. Like for my mother, I was the special one. I was the one that could soothe and understand and tune in. And I held that that was my role. I'm special because of that, right? And so that there is a loss a bit of, I don't want to be that anymore because it comes with a lot of baggage and it hurts me, right? And so that maybe I'm not that special and that's okay. And so that is a grief. That is definitely a grief and a loss, right? And when you sort of start to recognize your parents as, consciously or unconsciously using you as the child for their own psychic needs, that's a loss too, because you don't think of your parents that way. You love them. You think that they want only the best for you. And it's almost like a, just a renegotiation of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's painful. I usually ask at the end, like last words to kind of help sum up the idea for the listener. But I mean, I kind of love that idea that working on this and recognizing this actually makes you better, makes your relationships better, even though it's hard work and difficult. Yes. Because nobody wants to change. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, my mother is, you know, whatever. She's never going to change. And that may be true. And that's, that's an acceptance, but you can change. And it's on you. It, like the parent is rarely going to give you the permission to emancipate that way, right? You have to kind of do that on your own. And in doing that, you sort of define your own adulthood and autonomy. And it feels really good, right? Yes, it's sad, but that's life. It's ups and downs, right? And and you get freedom and space. And that's kind of what we're all looking for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you spending your afternoon with me and talking about this. And I'll make sure your information is on the episode description in case anyone wants to learn a bit more about the work that you do. And yeah, hopefully we can uh, talk again. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, It was something that it's been very near and dear to my heart the last couple of years. So it's it's nice to talk about it. So thank you. Yeah, I think you did a great job. So thanks for being on. Thanks a lot. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.